Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of PR Not BS with me Fiona Scott. Thank you very much for joining me and I thought today we'd have a little bit of fun. I'm going to talk today about some PR failures and some successes of 2020 and 2021 and discuss with you why they work so well. When the pandemic hit in my own business in March 2020, or early March 2020, when some of us could see the writing on the wall for business anyway, one of the things I talked about in the very early days with people, because I got online a lot more than I had previously, was tone of voice, how you engaged in your messaging on social media, in blogs, on your website, in any media relations you did how you behaved would matter more and more. And the reason for that is we were going through and still going through an event so mammoth, so huge that it was going to change so much. I mean, that was clear even then. It really was an event of the proportions of, sadly, almost the Second World War, not in terms yet of deaths, but overall, over a long period of time, it was clear this was going to be huge. And it affected the way we needed to behave in business, in life, and what we were saying. And you will all have seen examples of things that have gone spectacularly wrong, what people have said in your own street, in your own community, in your own business, in your own area. With that in mind, I thought I'd share with you 10 things, sort of examples of bad PR, some of which you'll know straight away when I talk about them, you might know them all. But the first one I've picked is very general and it's a theme in 2020 and 21. And it's the UK government. Now, governments often come in for good and bad PR on a daily basis. It's the nature of government. Governments look after us, they have to make decisions and Whatever decision they make, there will be people that agree with them and people that disagree with them. It's the nature of politics. However, when a pandemic hits, that whole conversation is slightly different because we were all meant to be in it together. Question is, were we actually all in it together? In my view, we weren't. But anyway, the first example of bad PR was in the early days of the pandemic and throughout with the government when to go into lockdown. They were, they weren't, they were, they weren't, not following advice. Masks was a big one. Masks are good for you, no good for you, don't do anything, they're useless, they're this, they're that. So it was July 2020 before masks were made mandatory. And yet since then, the whole conversation around masks in the UK has changed. And then there were other things, telling people to stay at home, save the NHS and save lives, whilst people in government were not doing that, is never going to play well with the public. Not when people can't see their own family members who are dying of COVID-19. And of course, the biggest case of that was Dominic Cummings. I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of that. There are various public inquiries now looking into the government's behaviour. But the Dominic Cummings incident is a fantastic example of appalling PR, hypocritical PR, and should never have happened. And obviously, price was paid for that. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next one. Sports Direct. Do you remember Sports Direct? Again, pandemic related. The business or the boss 
claimed it was a vital national asset and was going to stay open. Do you think Sports Direct was a vital national asset? Most people did not. It caused a huge dent in their reputation. And then they went online and increased prices of some of their products by up to 50%. And that was seen as profiteering. And there were many companies that were accused of profiteering mind during that period of time. It's not just them. People that were putting the cost of hand sanitizers up, toilet rolls, all sorts of things like that. We saw it. Profiteering was a thing. The third thing I've chosen, and surprisingly yet another effect of the pandemic that you might remember, but I, I put it out because it was personal to me, the A-level results fiasco. Remember that? Gavin Williamson and their robust system. Well, my daughter, like many of her age, literally was given like 48 hours notice and it was the end of full schooling. She was in the second year of her A-levels. Her school life ended in 48 hours. There was no longer by and she was one of thousands of children affected by that. And then there was the whole hoo-ha about her A-level results. Would she get them? How would they be judged? What would they be based on? And when the results came through, and there was a lot of argument about some algorithm, which suggested that um, some students in, you know, in more lower income areas who were bright might be downgraded to do with the algorithm judging the results at that school based on previous uh, results, which obviously individually was extremely unfair. There was a load of hoo-ha and bad publicity around that. It was a dog's dinner, has somewhat continued to be a dog's dinner, but led to lots of U-turns. Add to the general inconsistency of messaging from the government. And the pandemic should have taught us, when we're in an organisation and we're not clear in our message, that will cause everything else underneath it to be unclear or to be disparate or to be piecemeal or not to make sense. And people will not act in a uniform way if it doesn't make sense. And then on top of the A-levels, if you remember, so the fourth thing I'm beginning was the government retraining programme. There was a major hoo-ha about that because of a, an advert which showed a female ballet dancer and it suggested that she should retrain as an IT worker. Do you remember that? This was deemed to be really offensive at a time when the arts was devastated. All of the arts, music, live events, dance, theatre, shut down with virtually no money. People out of work. Because most people who work in the arts, they're not really successful actors who are multimillionaires who can sit at home writing their next book or strumming their next album, not having to worry about how to pay the bills. Most people who work in the arts are the same as the rest of us. And within two months of no money, no money in most cases, um, they're on their knees. They're at food banks. And, and to see something like that and to suggest that a female ballet dancer who's gone for the arts should now retrain as an IT worker was just utterly insulting. And it didn't read the room. That's the key thing. The tone was all wrong. There was no thought about the wider implications of that. And that brings me on to something else, celebrity. Celebrity almost makes the news for good or ill. And if you remember, a certain singer, Rita Ora, was 30. But she thought, or 
Maybe she gave no thought to it. I don't know. I don't know her. But she broke the lockdown rules to celebrate her 30th birthday party. Why should she be able to do that? Again, it's about doing the wrong thing in the context that we were in. People were losing, relatives were dying and they were dying alone because their relatives couldn't go, loved ones couldn't go and see them because it wasn't safe to do so. They were dying with strangers around them. And someone who's famous and on the telly could go off and celebrate their 30th birthday, although it was normal. That didn't go down well. And that no doubt damaged her reputation, whether it still has. I don't know. I don't know if it has. But she and she was not the only celebrity. Okay, now I'm going to move on to that year. Another thing that came up, not on the pandemic side here, but Burger King. Do you remember they um, produced a vegan burger um, and made a big hoo-ha about their new vegan burger? It said there was a problem in that it wasn't vegan because it was cooked on the same grill as the meat burgers. And in fact, it even said that in the blurb. That's why it was picked up. And the mayo in the burger wasn't vegan either. You know, when you say something's vegan, just when you say something's allergen free, you have to mean it and be able to prove it. You don't put on your blurb something that clearly shows what you're saying is a lie. Now, in this case, when they were challenged, did they apologise? Because usually what I say, and if you've listened to my bad news podcast, you will know that you've got to acknowledge and admit when you're wrong. When they were challenged, they claimed it was actually aimed at flexitarians, flexitarians, folks, and was all about reducing meat consumption. Come off it. Nobody's fooled by that. It just makes it even worse. It's best just to say, sorry, we made a mistake and move on. Don't try to make it into something it's not. You just dig in a further big hole for yourself. Sometimes things just go wrong. Okay, another one I'm going to choose, which I remembered because I was watching it at the time. Do you remember Euro 2020? And it was when um, Cristiano Ronaldo removed a Coca-Cola bottle from in front of him at a press conference. And um, he moved it out of frame, moved the bottle away. And this, so say, led to a 1.6% dropping the value of shares of Coca-Cola, which was estimated a loss of something like $4 billion because a footballer who's very well known who picked up a bottle and moved it a few feet across a table. In this, Coca-Cola did say that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo can drink what he wants. Well, of course he can. There was no hypocrisy here. Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't drink fizzy drinks. He watches his sugar intake and he looks after his diet carefully and he does not advertise fizzy drinks. So there is no personal onus on him or hypocrisy in him removing that out of his field of vision. Um, However, this brand does support Euro 2020 and the organisers of it have asked players not to remove bottles from tables during press conferences because that's the exposure moment, isn't it? You see it with the branding when they're standing up behind them or the different brands behind them. That is their moment to be seen. But Ronaldo decided he didn't want a Coke bottle in front of him and he can make that decision if he wants to. Now, I would call that accidental bad PR. But if the company Coca-Cola had had a little bit of flair, a little bit of humour about that, they could have actually turned that into a positive probably. 
However, they did not deal with it really badly. I will say that. Right. And the next one I'm going to come on to talk to about is fairly recent and it's with the um, company BrewDog. So this is a company where the owners are out there on social media a lot. They espouse certain ethics and purpose in their business. And then suddenly a group of employees published an open letter via social media saying that their experience of working with the company was very, very different and negative. And that went everywhere, everywhere. And I'm not going to go into the details, but the one thing I will say is the damage that caused to BrewDog is untold because it will take a long time for a lot of people. They will associate BrewDog with that letter. However, what I will say is that BrewDog have come back and the boss has apologised and has accepted responsibility and says he will do something about it. So it's been acknowledged, it's been admitted and he's going to act. But this is a case where, you know, if your external persona of your business, your external PR does not match the experience of your team, sooner or later, you're going to be in trouble. You really, really are. And this happens at a local as well as a national level. Only this week, the week that I'm recording this podcast, I have spoken to a business person who is leaving their job, a well-known local company, because they're being bullied and they feel there's a bullying culture. Externally, you would never think that. Internally, it's clearly going on. What do you think that says about that company? So I really hope that James Watts of BrewDog really is acting upon the lesson he's been taught by those staff or ex-staff who wrote that letter. Because at the end of the day, your team or your gold dust in business, even a small business like me where I employ myself, I have a team of freelancers and I could not move in my business without them. So this was a case of really bad PR. They've tried to do the right thing. They've tried to address the issue and let's hope that they do. It's a work in progress. Another one, and it's come up several times before, is Weatherspoons, Weatherspoons and the boss, Tim Martin. Now, when lockdown hit, Weatherspoons, Tim Martin, quite an outspoken man, kind of intimated that his 43,000 staff wouldn't get paid until furlough kicked in, which meant they'd be without money for weeks. He soon changed his tune on that. He then went to tell them to take jobs at Tesco. Now, these may have been tongue-in-cheek comments. You've got to read the room. People didn't like it. At a time when everyone was suffering, worried, scared, wondering what the future held, some, were they going to get any money? Were they going to be made redundant? You don't need to hear people saying that. You especially don't need to hear it from someone who is wealthy and leads a wealthy lifestyle. It just shows a complete lack of compassion and care for others. And another one, which some of you may not have picked up on, but I thought it was quite interesting. And it's a warning, really. So there was a company called Diamond Mist, a vaping company, that did a campaign, some of which it was sort of ads on buses. And they used a lookalike of Sir Mo Farah on their ad, um, saying this, Mo's mad about menthol. Mo's mad about menthol. So they used this lookalike, so it wasn't Sir Mo Farah. And it's vaping, saying that Mo's mad about menthol. 
Now, people saw that. They took pictures on social media and drew it to the attention of Sir Mo Farah himself. Now, this is a man who was and is an elite athlete, cares about nutrition in his body, would make very careful decisions about which brands he would actually align himself with. And a vaping brand suggesting that he was um, mad about vaping and e-cigarettes Anyone could see, anyone could feel that wasn't going to be right for him. And also, it wasn't him. It was a lookalike. So extremely damaging. And he immediately put something out to say he would be looking into it and it wasn't him. He had no idea and he'd never been aligned with that brand. Very quickly, the Advertising Standards Authority banned the ad. But the company had to do a financial settlement with Sir Mo Farah and his team because the reputational damage, even though Samovar had done nothing, could have been immense. So, you know, you have to think about your reputation. Samo could have decided not to say anything about that, had nothing to do with him. But how did the general public know that? It could damage his reputation by association. So he absolutely had to do something about it. And that's the thing with reputation. Wherever fault lies, that's for later. You do have to acknowledge what's going on. Let's move on then to some good PR stuff, because that's good too. So I'm going to rattle through these. Uber, remember Uber? They did a campaign called Thank You For Not Driving With Us and also offering 10 million free rides to food deliverers and those in need during the pandemic went brilliantly. All the right notes. That's reading the room right. Also, Tesco did one for Christmas, so timely for this year. Christmas last year, okay, getting rid of the naughty list which was really clever because it's reading the room, isn't it? It's saying we've all had an awful time, so let's forget naughty and nice. We'll forget naughty. Everyone's going to get something this Christmas. Starbucks did a campaign called What's Your Name? Don't know if you saw the campaign, but it was to support people who are trans, non-binary and gender diverse. And it was to support a charity called Mermaids. Do listen that. You can watch the ad. Do have a look at it. I remember seeing it and thought it was incredibly powerful. It was about accepting difference and just not assuming someone is male or female or whatever they are. You know, accept people for what they want to be. Really, really good. Another great PR strategy during the um, pandemic, which may have been completely orchestrated or may have been completely natural and then orchestrated later, I don't know, was Joe Wicks became the nation's PE teacher. Obviously, he had a huge following anyway, but he used YouTube to help people and help kids keep active during the pandemic. And I don't know Joe Wicks at all, but you felt that it came from a good place, a place of good intent. And it was fantastic. Now, my children are older, so I didn't engage with that, but almost everyone I knew did. And I think he did a great thing for the nation and for himself and for his own brand. And fairly recently, he was really kind to feature quite unbidden, quite unasked, a product that's a product that's produced by one of my clients for younger children. He did a little um, video about it. He loved it for his kids. And um, the orders for my client's product for a period of days went through the roof. So I'm really grateful for Joe Wicks for doing that. He didn't have to. We didn't ask him to. He just did it. A funny one for uh, 
This period of time was spec savers. I'm not even sure it was their ad or someone had made it up and created like um, a infographic with their ad. Should have gone to Barnard Castle. I don't know if you saw that one, a short one. Really funny, bit of humour. Because of the shape of their logo and everything, you immediately, and, and their tagline should have gone to spec savers, you immediately associated with them. That was clever. And another one I want to draw your attention to was actually Burger King. So yes, they got into the naughty pile, but they're also in the nice pile. And this was their ads encouraging people to go to other food chains to support the industry. So it was like support McDonald's, support everyone else in the fast food industry. Um, The narrative has always been that these fast food chains have been grating against each other, having a go at each other. But actually during the pandemic, that changed and it was about you know, don't go here, go there, support the industry. And and that read the room perfectly. That was great. And also a similar thing, Tesco did a similar thing too. It did a campaign in April last year, this year, April this year, 2021, called Pop to Your Local with a, a picture of a pint. And it was about supporting your local pub with really carefully the um, tagline, every little helps. So go to your local pub. They really need you at this time. Worked really well for them. Um, Another one I want to flag up with you. Stop online abuse with our footballers. Raheem Sterling and others who boycotted social media between the 30th of April and the 3rd of May this year. And that whole stop online abuse, the abuse that they got for missing penalties, it just so happened that those footballers were black. Um, and that was just appalling. And they dealt with it with grace, dignity, and I think lasting impact. And I really admired that. I also really loved um, the fact that Nationwide, obviously Swindon-based business, ran some um, ads that had a real bit of humour to them. And I advise you to go away and look at the one featuring the comedian Andy Story. It's about yoga. It is funny. It is hilarious. Go and look at that. I thought their campaigns around people's stories in the pandemic were excellent. So well done nationwide for that. But I think the biggest PR story, good news PR story that came out of the pandemic was definitely, and I hope you'll agree with me, I'm sure you were, Captain Tom Moore, who passed away as Colonel Tom Moore, like self-generated PR that then gained its own momentum and a PR company came in and helped him. It just grew and grew, raised millions, millions for NHS charities. But I think what it was, it was his personality. The fact that a man who lived through wars, who was disabled, who was vulnerable, and is going to get off his arse, and do what he could do to raise money and support the NHS. I think that just resonated with everybody. And it led to a snowball thing. He couldn't have imagined it. And you know, at his age, 100 years old, what a way, what a way to end his life in such a positive way. His family must be so proud of him. I think we all are. Even talking about him today makes me emotional. It's a fantastic, accidental, heartfelt, authentic thing that that man did that we all felt and resonated with. And good PR is that, though I know that his intention was not that. 
But visibility and his reputation and credibility as an ex-veteran took that and it got a life of his own. He just smashed it in terms of PR. That's my top thing for during this crazy period of time that we're all going through and still going through. Hope you enjoyed this. Anyway, I know it was a little bit different today, um, but hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to find out a bit more about me, you can at scottmedia.uk or you can drop me an email fiona at fionascott.co.uk if you're on facebook and you want to find out a bit more about what i do you can always join my facebook group which is called fiona scott's pr tribe and say you were listening to my podcast thanks for listening and i will be with you soon